Volume, panning, EQ, compression, and effects. These are what I consider the five key components when you're mixing a song that you're creating in the home studio or any studio for that matter. So in this week's Studio Live Today podcast, I want to simplify these things. I want to break down what we're talking about when we're talking about mixing a song because it can very quickly become a lot more complicated than you meant it to be. Hello, my name is Pete. This is the Studio Live Today podcast. My goal here is to help you create, record and release your best music. And at the moment, I'm actually doing that myself. I am creating and recording and mixing and getting ready to release my song called Choices, which I'm recording and now mixing in Logic Pro for iPad. But don't worry, if you use a different digital audio workstation or DAW, you're going to be able to relate because we're going to keep this pretty generic because whatever you're using, you're going to be using some fairly similar kind of steps here. So we're going to walk through volume, panning, EQ, compression, and effects, and just break them down and make sure that you can understand exactly what you need to do with these things, because all these jargon that we have in the world of mixing can kind of be intimidating. I want to break it down and make it less intimidating for you. Let's dive straight in, shall we? Now, for those watching on the video version, I'm here in Logic Pro for iPad, but... Don't worry, if you're using something different, these are all going to be pretty generic. The explanations I'm going to be given, giving in this one are pretty generic, so you'll be able to follow along regardless of what you're using. And for those that are listening on the audio version, I'll try to explain this in as much detail as I can without going into those you know jargon words that are going to make it mystical. It doesn't have to be mystical. It can be simple. So here we have my song. We've got drums at the top here. We've got three tracks of guitars. We've got a bunch of vocal tracks here. We've got a bass guitar track and we've got an organ track. For those watching, we've also got some muted out tracks that are no longer being used. So this project is a pretty basic project, although I say that we've got multiple time signatures in this one, but that won't really factor in. That's more around the arrangement and the recording process, which we've already done. Let's start with volume, shall we? Because this is the most important, but perhaps the most underrated thing that you do when you start. Now, I'm here in Logic Pro and the volume sliders that we have, like we do in most DAWs, are over on the left. So I can slide up and down the volume of different tracks in order to get what I call, and what not I call, what, what is called a static mix. So one of the first things that you'll do when you're mixing a song is to get the volume levels right. Before you play with EQ, before you mess with compressors, before you do any of your effects, it's a good idea to do this. Now, I'll actually let you in on a secret here. As you can see, if you're looking at this version here on the video, my mix is already sort of in the process of being done because I've moved those different volume faders up and down to create a mix. And the reason I've done that is when you start recording, it will record at like unity gain, which is like that middle level. And the problem is that the way that sound works is that if you record four, five, six, seven, eight, ten, twenty 10, 20 tracks, it builds up. So over time, you'll notice here that a lot of my sliders, a lot of my faders are actually down quite low. So just, just picture that. If you're listening on the audio version, uh, I've got already adjusted the volume of my tracks. Let's just take a little listen, shall we? Just so you get a feel for this track. It's a rock track here. And uh, this is what the sound sounds like with the guitars, drums and bass here at the start. So 
there you go. You can hear the drums in there, the bass, the guitars, and the vocals. And uh, I'm deliberately playing it a little quietly here because we're still in the mixing process. When we get to the mastering phase, we can turn things up and really rock out. But just so that you can kind of get a get a feel for what song we're working with here. So volume, getting a static mix right is really around getting those volumes balanced. So when we come down here to uh, another section, so say we play in a later section here where we've got some vocals and we've got everything going on here, let's take a quick listen to the balance of this mix. So what your point is with the static mix is just getting everything so that the instruments are complementing each other. Nothing's sitting too high or too low in the mix, and it doesn't sound separate. You're trying to balance that out to get all of the volumes at the right levels. Because something like an electric guitar, so what, what I'm looking at here is my three electric guitar tracks are actually down quite low in comparison to things like my vocals and even the drums and even the bass guitar. Because you need to find that balance of volume. Now, if I go to the mixer mode here, so picture a console or a mixer interface here if you're on the audio version, you can get a better view of this. And this is why Logic Pro for iPad is pretty cool. I've got a lot of videos about Logic Pro for iPad if you'd like to learn how to use it or just go to logicipad.com. So getting that static mix with just your volume is something that folks don't do enough early on. You People tend to jump in, and look, I've done this as well. You jump into adding effects and adding compression and using EQ before you've just got that static mix down. So volume is super important. A few little things about volume, some options that you have. You can mix as you go like I've done here, so just adjusting. You can also do what I call a faders down mix. I don't call it that, everyone does. You can do a faders down mix, uh, which means turning all of your faders down, so just grabbing all of the faders on each of your channels, turning them all down to zero, and then bringing them up. And what I've done in previous videos that you'll find here on the channel, if you search Pete John's faders down mix, you'll see me do this is that you're bringing up each track. And what I recommend you do is bring up your drums, then bring up your bass, and then bring up your instruments, uh, your, your guitars and your bass, and then add your vocals at the end. It can just make, because otherwise what you tend to do, if you add the vocals first, you'll end up mixing them too loud, and then you'll add other things too loud and too loud and too loud. And it may take you a couple of attempts to do this to start with, to get everything at the right levels. The other thing is you've got the little numbers on here, like most digital audio workstations will have numbers, so you'll be able to see the actual level that you've got everything at, and most, as well as being able to drag your faders up and down, will let you tap in and dial that in. So if you're trying to make really minute changes, you can actually do that there. Something that you can use, and I don't recommend you use it here, we'll talk about it right at the end of this because it's kind of like a bonus tip, is automation. So this is your static mix, but what if in one particular section you're finding that your guitars need to really be turned up? For instance, at the end of this song, the guitars are kind of doing their own thing, and I'd really like them to come up here at the end. I'll just play you this end section. So because everything else, there's no vocals, a lot of the other stuff has gone away there, those guitars may need to come up. So automation of your volume 
is something that you can do. So when you're doing your static mix, it might be a good time to start making notes saying, actually, the vocals need to be a bit louder in the chorus, or maybe my guitars need to go up there at the end, or maybe there's a section where you need to turn down the volume of something so that another instrument can cut through the mix. So maybe I need to turn down the bass when this organ comes in here, because maybe the organ... Maybe the organ needs to be in here. And maybe that bass is too loud here. So maybe I would just put in my mix notes for the end. Now, why do I say do your automation at the end? Well, because a lot of things will change. Because of the things we're about to talk about around panning and EQ and compression and effects, all those things can change your volume levels. So you usually need to come back to volume right at the end. And that's where I recommend you do your automation because at the moment, everything's static. Everything's gonna be the same volume throughout. And then when you add your automation, your, your faders will go up and down. You'll actually change the levels that they're at. So you might wanna save that to the end, at least in my experience. Let's move on to panning. So volume, pretty basic, yeah? You turn your knobs, you turn your faders up and down until you get a nice balanced mix. But we're talking stereo audio here. Yes, there's 5.1 channel audio, and yes, sometimes you might wanna mix in mono. Those are more advanced topics for another day, but generally, you're going to have a stereo mix. So you will want to find places for your instruments that are in that stereo spectrum. Now, the basics of panning are generally that you want your drums where your, your bass drum and your snare drum are right up the middle. Your toms and your cymbals can be off to the left and the right based on a drum kit. And there's a big debate about whether your drum kit should sound like you're looking at it from the, the front, from an audience, or whether you're the drummer looking out. So whether you're, your hi-hat's on the left or the right will depend on that. Now, I'm using virtual drums in this particular track, and what you'll notice with these is that they've got built-in panning. So be careful if you're using virtual instruments. They may already be panned. If I play a bit of this drum in, in solo... you're hearing that you've got those two crash cymbals, one's on the left and one's on the right. So they're already panned within there. We can actually pan these as well. So we can come in and do panning on these drums if we wanted to move them even further out. But it's something to keep in mind that sometimes, especially if you're using virtual instruments, they will be pre-panned for, your, uh, for your, your mixing pleasure. So let's instead use these guitars because you'll notice if you're watching on the video, if you're not, I've got three guitar tracks. One's called Rhythm Guitar Left, one's called Rhythm Guitar Right, and one is called Rhythm Guitar Center. And not surprisingly, these are currently panned left, center, and right. Now, in order to pan these here in Logic Pro, there's a good little channel strip button that we can push down here that will show us an easy view of the volume and the panning. This can be good for doing your static mix with the volume, but it can also be great to set your pans. And what you'll notice here is that uh, I've panned one guitar all the way to the left, I've panned one guitar all the way to the right, and one in the center. Let's solo these and take a listen. So here is, for instance, my left guitar. It sounds like this, and if you're listening in stereo, you'll hear it on the left. Now, originally, this will be panned in the middle. If I double tap on this panning knob, it'll go back to the middle and it would sound like this. Let's grab that pan pot and put it to the left. So we can pan that one to the left. 
also we've got the right guitar, which I've panned over to the right-hand side. And if we play these two together, this will create, because I've got two different guitar tones and two different, slightly different parts playing here, it creates this really nice texture, a really deep kind of texture. So highly recommend if you've got guitar sounds, especially electric guitar sounds, that wall of guitar sounds sounds great. If you have two slightly different tones, one on the left, one on the right, they'll sound like this. And in my case, I wanted a little bit more sort of thickness through the middle. So I've got a third guitar and that one is it's panned right here in the middle. Here's my middle guitar. Adding back in the left and the right. So that's panning. It's pretty simple, yeah. So you've got your volume, but all panning is, is how much volume's on the left and how much volume's on the right. To show this and to explain this, I'll go into the mixer mode here. And what you'll see is when you've got a mixer that has stereo faders, you'll see that when it's on the left, it's just a volume level only on the left. When it's on the right, it's a volume on the right. And the reason that you see two lines on any mixer is when you're in the center is because you've got, that's the amount of volume you have on the left and the right. Now, of course, you can pan halfway to the left, to quarter, three quarters. You can move things around that stereo spectrum. So if you've got a more uh, detailed or complicated mix, you can grab things and put them slightly left, slightly right, very left, very right. You can use that whole stereo space. But all it is, and this will be a theme, all it is is how much volume's on the left and how much volume's on the right. So when we play this guitar track, these three guitar tracks again, the display is showing one with just the left, one with just the right, and one with both of those bars going up. And you'll be able to see that. And then even on your stereo bus, once you've you've started mixing your entire track together, you'll see that you've got the same view there. You'll be able to see how much is on the left and how much is on the right. Let's play the whole track together and take a look at the stereo faders here. Uh, again, for those listening in, I'll explain what's going on after we listen to this. So what we were seeing here is that the two bars are going the left and the right. And as those left and right guitars are playing, they're not perfectly going up in sync because you want a little bit of flavor between the left and the right, but they should be pretty much level for the majority of the song. Sometimes you may want something out to the left and something out to the right just as a bit of an accent. But if everything's leaning left or leaning right for a majority of the song, you may need to go back to your panning and just play with it a little bit because, yeah, very rarely do you desire to have a song that is leaning to one side or the other. It's kind of disturbing as a listener to hear something where everything's over on one side, on the left or the right. So that's the basics of your panning. And look, there's a lot of more detail we can go into. But as I mentioned at the start, this is the keep it simple. This is the KISS method of mixing. Let's talk about EQ. This is something that a lot of people get really hung up on and find really confusing, but it's actually super duper simple. EQ or equalization or an equalizer is just volume for different frequencies. And I'm going to use my vocal this time to explain this. I'm soloing in my vocal here and we'll use this as a demonstration of EQ. So let's play the vocal right now, then we'll dive into the EQ and I'll explain what we can do with some EQ. 
People will say lots of things, but they just don't know why. That's the vocal line that we're using here. Now, I already have, I've pre-prepared, here's what I prepared earlier. In the plugins, I've already added a channel EQ to this because I wanted to add what we call a low cut or a high pass filter to this, which is basically a way to remove any of those low noises. So the reason you use a high pass filter is anything below about 200 hertz shouldn't be there in a vocal track. Maybe it's gonna be there in a kick drum or a bass track, but you definitely shouldn't be hearing it in a vocal track. So in case I'm recording and maybe there's a, I'm banging the desk or there's a garbage truck driving past, which happens quite frequently around here, then you want the ability to remove that. So what I've done here is I've removed all the frequencies below 200 hertz, but I've used a sort of rolling off curve. If you've ever seen an EQ curve, you'll know what I mean. It kind of goes, it starts down there at zero and it rolls it off so that it there's nothing at all below 100 hertz. There's nothing at all that you can hear. And then you hear a little bit between 100 and 200 hertz. And that's a traditional high pass or low cut filter. The other things you can do with EQ is to boost or reduce the volume of a frequency. So boosting just means turning up the volume at that frequency. And a cut or reduction means turning down the volume at that frequency. So for instance, if we play this vocal again, and I grab over here on the treble side, and I grab this one and turn up the treble, take a listen to what this is gonna sound like as I turn up the treble or the high frequencies in this track. People will say lots of things, but they just don't know why. So you can hear there that as I drive that up, I've grabbed this, it's at around about 3,000 hertz or 3 kilohertz. If I drive that up, you're hearing an accentuation of those crispy high-end kind of frequencies. Likewise, if I grab down here at the 200, let's show you what it'll sound like if I do this, but on the bass or the lower frequencies. People will say lots of things, but they just don't know why. So there you're hearing it's enhancing those low-end frequencies. So frequency is just like the, the notes. So if you've got sort of middle frequencies so around that middle, middle range, which you're going to have in a vocal, you may want to enhance, or maybe there's some nasally frequencies. Quite often, you want to use EQ to kind of make a little cut and do that at a frequency that you're not liking. And this is a really important point with EQ is that sometimes folks go, this needs more bass, so they pump up the bass. This needs more treble, they pump up the treble. This needs more mids, they pump up the mids. And you're just turning everything up. Remember how we talked volume before? If you EQ things up all the time, you just end up with more and more and more volume. Whereas if you make a cut, then sometimes you're actually going to enhance the sound without increasing the volume, and it can actually be a better option for you. So for instance, if, if I wanted to find a little nasally frequency around here and remove it, if we uh, play this track again, I, turn it why down. Why do you care what they think of your choices in life? We may just want to reduce that. Now, there's heaps of things you can do with EQ. You can use notch filtering. You can make this either wide or you can make it really narrow using the, the different EQ tools you have. EQ is a fairly complex subject, but for the, for the case of this, I just wanted to explain it in really simple details, which is if you're listening to something, here's the, here's the important part. You don't need to EQ. 
These days, with the sort of recording equipment we have, sometimes it just sounds good. Sometimes you've got a good balance for it. If you're using a good microphone into a decent audio interface, sometimes you'll need to do nothing. Virtual instruments are often pre-EQ'd, just like we talked about with the drums before with the panning. Sometimes your instruments are also pre-EQ'd. So don't just dive in and assume that you're always going to have to EQ something, but listen Listen to your tracks and then find, is there something here that's standing out to you that you think you need to change? And the final thing I'll say about EQ is, yes, like I used a, a solo track there, but really you want to be listening to this in the context of the song as you're adjusting your EQ because that's where you're going to find those frequencies and you'll be saying, oh, actually, my, my vocal's kind of competing with the bass when I play it here. Why do you care what they think of your choices in life? Maybe I actually need to bring the bass tones of the vocals here. So let's play that again and drive that down. Why do you care what they think of your choices in life? There you go. Maybe that's going to complement it and do a better job. So a lot of your mixing, especially when you're doing your EQing, should be done while you're playing the rest of the track. Let's move on. Let's talk compression. This is the one that gives people the most grief. When I try to explain compression to folks, it can often take a while, and I've learned over the years the best way to explain it. So what is a compressor? Well, we're back to our old friend volume or gain. A compressor is designed to flatten out the volume spikes. So if you imagine, if you imagine a waveform going up and down, what compressor does is when it gets to a certain level, it pushes the top of that volume down. Now you might be thinking, John's. I thought a compressor turned things up. Well, it does, but only because we then turn up the overall volume, what we call makeup gain, to actually make it louder again. It's going to be easier if I explain this both visually and auditorily, depending whether you're on the video or the audio version, because I have a compressor here on this vocal. So the same vocal that we were using there, let's just uh, play this again. This is this vocal sound. People will say lots of things, but they just don't know why. So this already has a compressor on it, and the, the standard compression settings here are things like threshold, attack, and release. So when we're adjusting this, we can adjust those three components there. But there's some important stuff under the hood that I want to show you here. I'm going to double tap on this compressor and bring it up, because as well as those... We want to talk about ratio, we want to talk about the threshold here, and we want to talk about the output gain or the makeup gain, because once we actually add compression, we do need to talk about why you then generally need to turn it back up again. So let's, uh, let's play this and look at this compressor, and I'll explain to you what's going on here. Let's play the audio again. People will say lots of things, but they just don't know why. So what we're seeing here is we've got an input gain, which is the, the volume that we've got set there. It is showing an input reading. It is then showing the reduction. So this is how much it's pushing down. And here's how it works. The threshold is set to say only compress when you get to this volume level. To explain this, if we play this again, I will adjust the threshold as we go. People will say lots of things, but they just don't know why. 
So what I've done there is I've turned the threshold down to minus 40 dB, which means that every time it's going, even the, every time there's any sound, basically, it's compressing. And the reduction, it's, re, it's gone from only making it a 5 dB reduction to nearly 15 dBs of reduction. And that's why it's much quieter, right? Why do you care what they think of your choices in life? So whilst it's quieter, it is also more consistent in the volume. Again, let's turn the threshold all the way up so that we're doing no compression. This is it raw without the compression on there. People will say lots of things, but they just don't know why. So you can hear there that there's that natural change in volume, which is okay, but it's probably too much here. And what compression can do is it can flatten out those peaks and it can bring to a more consistent kind of performance. The ratio here is the other important thing. At the moment, I've got this ratio set to about six or seven to one, which is quite aggressive compression. And what the ratio is saying is the threshold tells it when to compress, the ratio tells it how much to compress. So if you want to really crush it, if we turn this up to a 30 to 1 compression ratio and then we play this audio again, I'll dial down the threshold and you'll hear it literally kick in with the compressor. People will say lots of things but they just don't know why. Can you hear that crunchiness? Yeah, that's because it's really crushing it. It's really compressing it hard. So you generally wouldn't go a 30 to 1 ratio. For vocals, most of the time, I sit between about 5 and 6 as a ratio. If you want a very light compression, 2 to 1 or 3 to 1 can work as well. So we've set our ratio. We'll set our ratio around 5 to 1. And we'll drive in our threshold here to just... because And the reduction meter here is really helpful in a compressor. Because this will tell you how much compression is going on. You don't want to be crushing it with a heap but you also want to make sure it's doing something so let's see if we can get our threshold set correctly here people will say lots of things but they just don't know why why do you care what they think of you so what we're seeing here now for those on the audio version is that it's not compressing all the time. The compressor's not always kicking in, but why do they care? When I'm hitting those notes, that's when it's compressing, and that'll just smooth it out a little bit. But it's also turning it down. So this is where we need to play around with our makeup gain. So over on the right here, we have a makeup gain slider. We can also change it down here in our output gain if we wanted to, and we can change the amount of mix. There's a bunch of things you can do with compressors, but your basics are your threshold, your ratio, and then the makeup gain. Attack and release are two other things that you've probably heard about. They're also on a compressor here. You can play around with attack and, and release. All that means is how quickly will it start compressing and how quickly will it stop compressing. So at the moment, the attack set at 10 milliseconds, the release is at 51 milliseconds. So that means that it needs to be at that threshold level for 10 milliseconds before it starts compressing. And then it'll release 51 milliseconds after it's stopped detecting that. So if you want to make sure that it's always compressing, you can turn that attack lower so it's quicker to come in. And if you want to make sure it stops compressing quicker, you can turn the release down as well. That's how they factor in here when you're talking at compression. So let's come back to the start of this vocal pass and we will find the right threshold level. People will say lots of things, but they just don't know why. And now we'll turn up the makeup game. 
Why do you care what they think of your choices in life? And the cool thing is, because we've got our metering on this compressor here in Logic Pro, we can see the input gain, the gain going in. We can see what reductions are being done, and we can see the output gain as well. So that when we play the whole passage here with this compressor set... People will say lots of things, but they just don't know why. Why do you care what they think of your choices in life? So what we're seeing here is that the input's coming in at minus 10, it's reducing it by 7 dB, but our output is at minus 3 because I've added 11 dB of makeup gain. Now, this is all being done soloed, and what did we say about mixing before? You generally want to be mixing with everything else playing. So let's see this, this vocal back in the mix. People will say lots of things, but they just don't know why. What are you hearing there? Yeah, we've got a nice clear vocal now, but it's too loud. This is what we say about volume. So our makeup gain may need to come down. Let's turn our makeup gain down to say just uh, three and a half dB instead of 11 dB and see what this compressed vocal now sounds like. People will say lots of things, but they just don't know why. Better in the ballpark. So I'll continue playing with that and it's just a matter of trying to balance the threshold, where it's going to compress, the ratio, how much it's going to compress, and then the makeup gain. How loud do we want the overall volume to be after we've done all of those changes? So compression, it's not that mysterious. Again, it's a it's another volume thing, isn't it? It's a volume knob that just says only turn it down when it reaches these volumes and then turn it back up overall so that instead of getting this spiky, spiky waveform, we get this smoother, flatter waveform because you've pulled it up and then pushed it down. So you've compressed it. See what we did there? That's why it's called a compressor. So that's compression and the basics thereof. The fifth and final thing I wanted to talk about in this video, or this audio podcast, if you're on the audio version, I must keep remembering the audio folks out there. You can jump over and watch the video, by the way, if you want to see this in action. The last thing I want to talk about, though, is effects. And there are generally two ways to use effects. The way that I've been showing in this video so far is a channel effect or an inline effect, which is right on the track. So the vocal track that we've been using for this one, it has a the EQ that we showed there. That's uh, that's one of the plugins or the effects. We've got a compressor. We've got the uh, we've got some more EQ and tape delay that's actually turned off, and we've got a spring boxer, a reverb, and those are all here on the actual track. There's another way to use effects, which is either a master effect or a send effect. So that is where you set up an effect like a reverb or a delay, and then you actually send a little bit of each track to it. So there's two different ways to do this. I'm going to explain both of the ways why you would use each one separately. So generally, the simplest way to understand effects is to use effects on a track. So these are your inline effects. So for this vocal uh, that we're playing here. People will say lots of things, but they just... We have effects on it. We have our EQ and our compressor. And this spring box, for instance, if I wanted to turn that up, just a really simple uh, effect that I've added in here, and we're playing it. Don't know why. Why do you care? 
So I've turned up that spring box, which is like a spring reverb. So you can adjust the amount of effect that you have in there. Now, most DAWs, and Logic Pro is no exception, will allow you to add additional effects. So we'll tap there and we can add a new effect. So you've got all sorts of different effects. One that I think I might want on this particular vocal is a little bit of distortion. So maybe just a little distortion or overdrive effect on here. We'll uh, use the distortion plugin and then we can dial in how much in this case drive and at what tone we want or uh, in this case if we double tap on that one we can adjust it here in more detail so say we wanted to get a little bit more crunchiness in this vocal let's just play it and add a little drive a little distortion to this people will say lots of things but they just don't know why so you can go a bit nuts and put too much in there. The tone here, so a moment that's 1100 hertz, if we wanted this to be sort of a higher tone distortion, I, can turn it up. Why do you care what they think of your... So yeah, probably going too extreme there. You can hear that's way too loud now uh, because uh, the output here we can also adjust. So again, everything kind of comes back to volume, doesn't it? So we can add effects and we can adjust them in line here. Let's just see if this is... Your choices in life. There's that distortion. Distortion off. So we'll, we'll leave that off for now, but that's how we can add an inline plugin, and I'll probably play around with that and add some more distortion as we mix this track. But the other way that we can do this uh, in some DAWs, uh, things like GarageBand are pretty basic with this, but a lot of DAWs have this, is where we set up a bus, and uh, the, the scope of how to set up a bus and how to use sends and receives in detail, a little bit outside of this video, but it's pretty simple. You create a track, so a separate track in your digital audio workstation, and just add effects to it. So this isn't going to have audio in this track. This is an effect track. So this is a track that you're going to feed your other tracks into. So imagine the, the physical world version of this is like the old school. You would have an effects rack or you'd have an effects box. Say you had a delay, you would send your audio out and then you would bring it back into your mix. It's the same thing here. You're sending and receiving. So you're sending it from another track through this bus, and then it's coming back to your stereo output at the end. So for instance, we're here with this vocal. The reason why you're hearing delay and reverb on this vocal, as well as the other effects that we have there, is we have a send and receive on here. So if we turn these off, for instance, so I'm going to turn down the reverb and the delay on this vocal. Let's take a listen to this without any reverb or delay. People will say lots of things, but they just don't know. So all you're hearing there now is that little bit of spring reverb that we've got on the inline effect there on the track. But if we wanted to say bring the reverb back in, we tell it how much we want it to send to this bus. And this is why this is cool, because you set up the one reverb and then you can send every track to it in different amounts. So you want lots of reverb on your vocals, but just a little on your guitar, you can do that really easily. So what I'm doing is I'm grabbing the knob for bus four, which is my reverb bus, turning it up. And now... No, why? Why do you is channel channeling that through our reverb bus. And we'll turn it all the way up. You care what they think of your choices so we wouldn't want that much, but we can just level this off to around sort of 40% is what we want to go through. We can do the same with our delay. We've got a delay bus here as well. If we play, let's turn up our delay. People will do lots of things 
Now, obviously, that sounded terrible because I turned it way up. But what you generally want with delay, I'm using an eighth note uh, stereo delay here, which is kind of cool for a rock track like this. But if we just add a little bit of it, you just get that little kind of delay sound like this. People will say lots of things, but they just don't. So you can hear just in the background, just a little bit. And this is why uh, it's often to do with the, the delay that when you're using a DAW, have you ever noticed this, that when you pause it, don't know why. <laughs> you can hear the delay. So if you ever want to hear what delays on a track, just play and pause, because quite often it's a quick and easy way to see what the delay is sounding like. And we've got this cool sort of auto pan eighth note delay, which I've set up. So it's a quick and easy way to do that. And the cool thing is you can then grab it. So you will see uh, if you're watching, I've got other vocal tracks here. I've got my guitar tracks and they're also going through to these buses as well. So it means that it makes your song sound like they're kind of in the same space, if that makes sense. Because remember, we're trying to kind of replicate in the digital world, we're trying to replicate what it would sound like if you were all in the same room. So even though I've recorded the guitars, the drums, the bass, the vocals, all separately, I kind of want them to sound like they're all being recorded in the same space. So it's like a live band playing together. So by throwing a little bit of each of those through the same reverb and delay bus, it kind of glues the mix together. Pretty cool. So that is mixing, that is volume, panning, EQ, compression, and effects. Yes, we've just scratched the surface. Yes, this can be a complex topic, but that's really the basics. Volume is key. Volume or game, the amount of volume going into your tracks is super important. So quick recap, mixing, volume, static mix. Get your static mix right to start with. That's gonna be a great starting point. You can do it as you record, or you can do a faders down mix if you prefer panning. Try to keep it balanced. Try to keep the same amount of sound on the left and the right for the majority of the track. Sure, you can have outliers, you can have effects and parts of the song where it's not, but for the main part, make sure you're not leaning. You don't want to be I lean and leaning one way or the other. EQ, our volume knob for your frequency. So remember that EQ sounds complex, but it really is just turning the volume up and down in the bass, in the mids, and in the treble. And remember, try to use that reductive EQ. Rather than building up and adding bass and adding treble, try cutting, try reducing. You tend to get a better overall sound. Compression. Compression is just that smoothing out. If you're finding that your volume is too lumpy, a compressor is a good way to kind of keep that level and to, to automate the volume changes. And effects, effects are kind of the add-on. They're the nice to have. They're that sprinkling of, uh, of delicious cracked pepper on top of your mix. So without good volume, without a good meal, it's no point adding pepper if your meal's just, you know, tastes like cardboard. But if you've got a delicious meal, yeah, a little cracked pepper on top never sounds too bad. The one final thing I did promise you as a sort of bonus tip is automation. So in Logic Pro, it's pretty simple because we've got automation tracks that we can add in here for volume and for effects and for a whole bunch of other things. But it's really simple to use volume automation. You can use it by just riding your faders and turning those up and down. You can actually add in automation points. So if you, want, if you know that your chorus needs to be a couple of dB lower, you can actually add that in. And that's kind of the final secret special source of a good mix because there'll be those little bits that stick out. Instead of going, oh no, 
play. The guitar's too loud, and then you turn it down, and oh no, the guitar's too soft. Maybe it's just needs a little tweak in one particular section and that's where volume automation in particular can be your friend so experiment with that i've got a whole bunch of videos here on the channel on studio live today all about mixing if you put pete john's mixing you'll see my mixing basics where i talk in more detail about this you'll see deep dives into all the topics we've talked about where i explain more about eq and about compression and about effects and about panning and about volume so please go and check those out you can also go to studiolivetoday.com to to find all of the links to all of the places where you can follow me on all of the social platforms. I hope you enjoyed this one a little bit different this week for the Studio Live Today podcast, but I think a nice hands-on practical demonstration never goes astray. As we say at the end of each and every show and podcast around here, please be kind to yourself, be kind to others, keep creating, and I'll see you next time here on the Studio Live Today podcast.